Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. It, uh, it happened again to me. You need to be way more specific. You're right. Uh, I went to the barber today. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> the moment I sat down, he said it in such an accusatory tone, like, I'm the one doing it. He goes, Ryan, you're thinning. And I'm like, Tony, I know. What can I do about it? And he goes, cut your hair different. And I actually said to him, I said, you cut my hair different. <laughs> I don't cut my That's yeah, why I'm here. That's why I'm here. <laughs> He's like, well, if we do this, I'm like, please do. Any other ideas? Blanket, yes. You have a blanket, yes. You need to shave it, just embrace it, get a pair of those athletic sunglasses, and every one of your profile pictures needs to be a car selfie. Yes, absolutely. It does. <laughs> <laughs> just lean into it, man. Or just like slick whatever little I have. Like by the time this all, I don't know how far it's going to go, but if it gets really bad, I can just dye it blonde, slick it all the way back and recreate the Patrick Liney picture. I'm absolutely here for it. The only other accept- acceptable option, hear me out, skull it. No. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> I will pay for all your haircuts for a year. You do that. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man, prices are going up. It's not cheap anymore. For haircuts? Yeah. It's a skilled trade now. Well, it always has been. Okay, no, barbers, barbers, hairdressers, it is a skilled trade, but men have had it as, you know, we tend to, extremely easy in terms of pricing. Uh, Mine have gone up, I want to say $15 in the last two years. How much do you pay for a haircut? I don't want to say it out loud. It it's a- it used to be twenty five bucks. Okay, and now it's forty before the tip. Oh, yeah. Okay, I pay forty with with a ten dollar tip because it's my friend who cuts my hair. Oh, that's nice of you. It, it's funny your skilled trade comment because like I had a friend who is a hairdresser, so I just went to her forever, like over five years. I don't even know what my haircut was called because like I would just sit down and she would do it and we'd shoot the shit for twenty minutes and then I'd pair and we leave and then she moved to Kingston, so I had to find someone else to cut my hair. I have the most basic haircut on the face of the earth and it took five different people before it yeah, didn't get screwed up. It is a skill trait. It's hard to find a good bar. <laughs> Catherine tried to cut my hair uh, during COVID Yeah, and she was doing it for like 20 minutes and like nothing had changed. I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> so I took a picture and the back of my head looked like Friar Tuck. <laughs> I had like a the worst bowl cut at the back of my head <laughs> only oh so then that's when i started going to, to our friend i was yeah. like fix this disaster Chris, crystal did the same thing when uh in lockdown she tried mine so she trimmed the side of my head which was easy enough because it was just you take the clippers you're good and then she got to the top of the head and she's like oh i don't know what i'm doing and i'm like <laughs> well now like we can't leave it this long with this that short like you you're in it now and she took so little off because she didn't want to screw it up i'm like well now i'm wearing a hat for the next couple of weeks <laughs> so october 28th before the evening games start i actually don't know what's if there are any games tonight um the detroit red wings are Third in the Atlantic Division. Right behind Buffalo. Right behind Buffalo, as predicted. (laughs) And it's not even third in the Atlantic Division, but one team has played way fewer games. Like, Detroit is third in the Atlantic Division, even by points percentage. And Lucas Raymond is leading all rookies in points and goals. 
and second in points behind him. And uh, alone in second, alone in second in points behind him, and first in assists is Moritz Sider. I understand we had a late start to the season. We didn't start till October 14th for the Red Wings. So we are literally two weeks in. We are only seven games into this this year. Um, I'm still steadfast that we don't change any of you know our expectations, predictions, opinions, whatever. Like just enjoy the ride for what it is. Let this set before you start changing your mentality and how you approach what you want for the Red Wings this year. But this is starting to get significant. They beat the Washington Capitals in a grindy game last night. And that is usually the game where Washington would go up 2-0 and the Red Wings of old would crumble. It would be 5-0. Yes. Yeah. And I actually muscle memory stepped in and I was fully expecting it. The Red Wings weren't doing anything spectacular. Like it was a very dull game and Washington went up and I went, ah, there it is. Oh, it's so hard to break old mindsets because I'm going into the season like with like the positive view of Jeff Blashill. Like he's changed a lot of things. I'm cautiously optimistic. Lucas Raymond's 17th in scoring in the entire NHL. Forget rookies. He's top 20 in NHL league scoring, counting Ovechkin and McDavid and Dreisaitl and all the other guys. I'm still not a thousand percent sure he's getting game 10, (laughs) but he, he absolutely is. And I don't think there's much of a debate for the inverse, but like, I still can't get it out of the back of my head. They, the Red Wings (laughs) have two games this weekend, or they have two games in the uh, on Friday and Saturday and then nothing on Sunday. So that's nine. Yeah. Look, Lucas Raymond is staying on this team, right? He has to. There's like, it's not a question. Unless if they send him down, it's literally as close as you'll ever hear uh, or close as you'll ever get to hearing Eisenman say, yeah, we want to tank for Shane Wright. Or like, yeah, well, this is just all about the salary cap in three years. Yeah. <laughs> There's no – you said it, right? He should never play a game for the eight, uh, the Grand Rapids Griffins. Anyways, uh, we're getting too far ahead of ourselves. We are going to talk about the Red Wings game against Washington, uh, updates on the team, where they are, what's happening around the league, that kind of thing. The rookies continuing to dominate – We'll talk about Danny DeKaiser. We'll talk about uh, Philip Peronik. We'll talk about Moritz Sider in that mix. Uh, we have an interview with the Red Wings' own Carly Johnston. Well overdue. Uh, it's something that we've been planning for quite some time. And, you know, life. Things got busy. Uh, but we're, we're very happy to have that interview. Uh, we're, of course, going to be talking about um, the situation that's going on in Chicago with the report um, based on the allegations against Brad Aldrich being released and everything that else that happened which is unfortunately anyways there aren't really words to describe that we'll do our best um all that before overtime of course uh, before we get into that we do want to talk to you about the jamie daniels foundation the more we talk about substance use disorder the faster we can all end the stigma and get support to those in need the jamie daniels foundation is a children's foundation initiative and it was established in memory of jamie daniels and founded by jamie's father and red wings lead announcer ken daniels and Jamie's mother, Lisa Daniels-Goldman. They strive to end the stigma of substance use disorder and provide support to those struggling with the disease or who are in recovery. To learn more and offer your support, visit jamiedanielsfoundation.org. Uh, if you haven't yet, follow Jamie Daniels Foundation on Twitter and Instagram, especially uh, on Instagram right now. They are advertising the roast of Brett Hull. There is a lot of opportunities to get involved with that. There's auctions. Uh, there's sponsorship opportunities if you want to uh, sponsor the event. Uh, so take a look at that and uh, follow Ken on Instagram, Ken Daniels TV. Um, he has a link tree link in his bio. You can get um, uh, 
memo. You can get, uh, oh, what do you call it? What's the other one? Cameo? Cameo. Yeah, I blanked there. Um, and he does really great ones, and all of that supports the Jamie Daniels Foundation. Okay. Uh, the Detroit Red Wings, the 3-2 win over the Washington Capitals, who are now uh, the home of Nick Jensen, Anthony Mantha, and in the press box where he's all too familiar, Dennis Cholosky. Scoring opened. Ovi opened the scoring. And it was off an amazing save by Grice. And then obviously it's Alexander Ovechkin. He's relentless. Put it in. And that's about where I was like, ah, here we go. Yeah, they, I, I think it was just before that too. Um Valley Sports was showing a montage of that 15 shot game where Mrazek shut him out. I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Don't that's do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how you tempt the hockey gods. Yeah. And then, um, of course, Ovechkin scored because what he does, uh, Kuznetsov's uh, resurgence this year continued off of a face off. It's weird to say the nice thing about the two Capitals goals was. There's really no blame to be laid on either goal where someone really screwed something up. And like the Ovechkin one was on a power play. It was a cross seam pass that got through. A bit of coverage was blown, but yeah. it's the Washington Capitals power play. You're never going to be perfect and you don't have to overthink it when something bad happens there. And then the Kuznetsov one was just a fluke off a draw. Just landed in the right spot for him. He got a quick shot off that caught Grice by surprise. Okay, yeah, you're down 2 nothing. It sucks. Detroit wasn't getting much going offensively up to that point. It happens. It was a pretty low event game up to that point. And then the good things started happening. Yeah, we had uh, Philip Perona come in with a, an excellent setup for Adam Ernie, who had, I think, one of his best games, if it's not his best game of the season, um, which was important. Perona slotted into the lineup because Gustav Lindstrom was out. Um, it's not even necessarily that I think Blasha wanted him in at the time. There's no way to know for sure. Um, so that was good for Hironic to get that set up. Ernie with the good finish. And then the second goal where the Red Wings tied it up, uh, Ernie had a great wraparound, or not wraparound try, he just a spin around through the shot on net. And um, Robbie Fabry finished it. Robbie Fabry, who I maintain is having a quietly good season and is going to make some noise around trade deadline for sure. Um, and that was also Pew Suter's first point. I also think it was an especially good game from Pew Suter, all things considered. Yeah. So. I mean, the Red Wings were playing one of the top teams in the league still. So <laughs> I was about to sneeze. <laughs> I just ate that sneeze for you. You're welcome. <laughs> now you don't have to edit. Well, you may have to edit this, but. I do leave some. No, I leave some of your sneezes in. Oh, man. That one's in my brain. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Sometimes your sneezes come in the middle of a Brad point. Brad, who has never taken a pause or a breath in his life. And I'm like, I can't, I can't possibly. Well, I try to talk over it and then, you know, maybe people don't notice, but then Evan somehow always yeah. makes it noticeable. <laughs> um, anyways, the, uh, what were you saying? I was saying about Hugh Suter and then ba you. Basically, if you're going to beat the Capitals in Washington, 90% of the roster has to have a good game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Also, has Grace had a bad game? No. He has not. Man, I got to say. Well, is was it him or Ned? No, Montreal. Oh, well, that was Grace? I think that was Grace because I think Ned actually came in and pitched a shutout in relief. <laughs> And that's fine, but like for the most part, Grice has come in and it's not even like he's taken some time to get warmed up or anything. Like when the goalies have come in, they've been good or at least good enough. Um, and it sounds silly to say, but I'm actually 
that actually makes me happier for Nedeljkovic because there's less pressure for him to perform and get adjusted because he's in a brand new system if Grice is coming in and being rock solid. And we've seen the, the coaches are going to split it more or less for now. It's all going to average out. I mean, if you want to get into the rebuild mindset too, Grice is in the last year of his contract. That doesn't hurt trade value. <laughs> if if the Red Wings can't <laughs> trade Jonathan Bernie how he was playing after all those years and they get any kind of return for Thomas Grice, I'll jump out this window. Because I'm like, well, oh, goalies. That's my claim to fame. Goalies at the deadline are entirely situational, though, right? Like, yeah. there's got to be a team with a goalie injury. Otherwise, they're nine out of 10 times just going to ride their guy. And there wasn't much of a market for goalies at the deadline last year. So that was more circumstantial. But hey, all it takes is uh, Tristan Jari to be Tristan Jari before the playoffs yep. for all of a sudden there to be a goalie market, right? So, so uh, headed into overtime and. Trot out trotted a Moritz Sider, Dylan Larkin, Lucas Raymond overtime, which is like if Evan and I two years ago asked Brad what his what his actual wet dream was, it would be that yes. three on three overtime line. Well, in previous years with Jeff Blasio, we would never see like a, a lineup like that. It was always like one of your quote unquote safe options on the ice because I don't know why I remember it clear as day because Blasio would always put like you and Larkin and then Danny, Danny DeKaiser. I knew, like, I, I, nightmares. Like, always, always. You'd be like, yes, yes, why? <laughs> and then um, it would never work. And then I, I still, to this day, remember the Ottawa game where he trotted out. I want to say it was either Green or Heronic with Athanasiu and Larkin. And they scored in six <laughs> seconds. And it's like, yeah. come on, the universe can give you a bigger sign. So this does show his growth as a coach that he's like, screw it. I am putting... Literally, my three most skilled players on the ice. Let's go. And it works. And again, we're going to have some criticisms based on DeKaiser. But to his credit, DeKaiser wasn't out there. Like, this is where I my mindset's at now from the optimistic view. No coach is 100% perfect. No. I'm sure. No, I'll, podcast host is 100% yeah. perfect. Well, <laughs> you got your allergies, buddy. Yeah, that's true. Also, <laughs> you scratch your head louder than anyone I've met in human history. I got to. Uh, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I have an itchy scalp. <laughs> washing my hair when we get home. Anyways. Yeah. Um, I'm burning the studio down. But like, anyways, I was just saying, even I'm sure Islanders fans have some criticisms of Barry, Barry Trotz. Trotz. Yeah. So yeah, Blashill still has his flaws this season in how he's managed the team and some pretty significant ones that we'll talk about. But he has legitimately changed a lot of what we've complained about over the previous years, which directly attributes to why the Rotings are 4-2-1 and one and not like 1-5-1, and one, right? Like it's – there's differences. They're being managed differently and it's working and he hasn't gotten away from that. This top six outside of the games Bertuzzi couldn't play has not changed, yep. which is dramatically different. He still had the blender out with the defense a little too much, which again we'll get into, but it's been a nice change of place. The power play is more aggressive. That's probably more Tangay. There's less. I've only seen that full ice tip dump once all year. Mm -hmm. Like it, it has changed and it is working again. Is are the Red Wings going to keep this points percentage the whole season? No, they've had a very easy schedule so far. Washington was their first like true test since home opener, but hey, they passed. They got Florida tomorrow. God knows what that game is going to look like. Or they play the best team in the division and the worst. They play Florida and Toronto. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, maybe they get that motivated Toronto team like they had Montreal. So <laughs> it it's in Toronto. 
So that's I, I honestly think you have a, you have an advantage as a visiting team in Toronto at this point. Well, with the, everything that's going on with Quenville and Florida, and then everything that's going on in Toronto, like, yeah, it might not be the worst time to get those two teams. But Quenville's behind the bench, anyways. Yeah, anyways, but uh, no, it's. It's good. There's been so many positive signs from this team, including Blashill, to start this season. And I, I really hope most of it, all of it won't be sustainable, but I'm hoping most of it's sustainable. So in overtime, obviously, Lucas Raymond picks the puck up. Um, it, it was one of those, it's overtime. So you take the puck out of your the other team's offensive zone and carry it back just to maintain the p- possession. So he does that literally at Washington's blue line, protects the puck. He was being hounded by a Washington player the entire time. So, like turns wheels moves up the ice creates space for himself creates space for larkin dip. nice tidy little feed to larkin larkin who buries it perfectly overtime winner Moritz cider with the secondary assist and all of a sudden you have a game where absolutely nothing happened where last year the red wings probably would have lost 5-1 or something like that or scored one goal or even tied it up and then lost immediately in overtime and that's your difference maker now you have three of your best players on the ice Lucas Raymond is I don't know how I don't know how we could possibly overstate it. Lucas Raymond is, has been such a fantastic success for Detroit. If he averages out for the rest of the year, I'll still consider this a wild success. Uh Prashanth pointed out a play and I I clipped it later where he skated 200 feet, practically 200 feet down the ice on a back check, tied up Connor Sheary's stick and stopped a probable goal when uh Washington was up 2-1. This kid does it all. He does it all. I was on the World Hockey Report. That's right. I got invited onto another podcast, finally. Thanks for catching up. I think the score is like 7-5, and this is my first. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, Ryan talks too much already. Um, And he, he asked, why do Red Wings fans love Raymond? What is it about his game? I'm like, literally all of it. His entire game. He was drafted as a guy with high hockey IQ and an excellent playmaker. And here he is, like hard nosed to the net, defending as well. And also he's sniping. Like the kid does it all. He is where I don't want to get too far ahead, but we have not even begun to uncover the the smallest bit of what he can be in the NHL. If he keeps progressing like this and he keeps being surrounded by talent like Larkin and Bertuzzi and, and Moritz Sire on the back end. And, you know, Simon Edvinson comes in, the team gets a little bit better and better. It's just going to be an exciting kid to watch. And also, I don't want to understate um, Dylan Larkin. Like to- He's looking better because he gets to play with better players. 100%. Being healthier, yeah, that helps. Having the time to rest, yeah, that helps. But he's finally not dragging a team or a whole line forward. Like, it's nice to see that constant offensive output. The threat every time they're on the ice. Yeah. So uh, Red Wings win three two, propels them up to there, <laughs> keeps them in third in uh, in the Atlantic. They're in a legit playoff spot. Seven games in, we'll see where we're where they're at around Thanksgiving. Um, it's Canadian Thanksgiving. <laughs> we're doing great, man. <laughs> <laughs> we're still excited about Raymond. We're still excited about Larkin. Moritz Sider has been paired with Danny DeKaiser the past two games. Yeah. His defensive numbers have tanked still managed to squeeze out points um and i still think managed to look halfway decent i think his his expected goals for or his coursey or something is, is still above 50 percent um which is really impressive it's cruising above 60 before uh that that's the point pair with the kaiser and, and here's the next topic here keep danny de kaiser in the lineup fine would i would you would evan i don't think any of us would but 
hey, he's approaching uh, a milestone in games. I think it's 500, right? Um, veteran leader, A on his jersey. I don't think all that should matter, but I get it. Keep him in the lineup. I mean, I don't. But he's <laughs> playing. He last, last game, he played like t- almost 22 minutes. And that's the, the flip side of it. I was like, don't play him 20 minutes and d- stop playing him with Mo Sider. Mo Sider needs stability. Danny DeKaiser is a liability. Every time he's on the ice, I love the guy. I cheer for him. I want him to do well, but that time is just over. Or if it's going to come back, he doesn't have that form now. Too many times, he's just, his body just can't keep up with what he wants to do. Hockey is the fastest game, one of the fastest sports you'll ever witness. And so if you were, if you hear me say his body can't do what his mind wants him to do, and you think, oh, well, that's not half bad. At least he has a brain part figured out. No, no, no. It's a domino effect. You're at a position for a half step and you are burned for the entire play. And you see it every time he's out on the ice, constantly like scrambling, you know, whipping around, looking for the puck, missing his assignment. And that hurts Mo Sider's development. You do not want that kid playing unsheltered minutes where he has to carry that pair. Keep Danny DeKaiser in the lineup. Great. Sixth defenseman, fifth defenseman, whatever. Play him on the first line. I don't care. I'd actually have Mo Sider play fewer minutes if they were away from Danny DeKaiser. Hot take. (laughs) But... Yeah, I, I just that's one thing where I really wish they would get away from whatever veteran mentorship DeKaiser was giving him. Have that happen in the room. Stick their stalls next to each other, but not, not on the ice. No, it's most Sider can't do what most Sider can do because most Sider is playing two positions. It's and the thing too with DeKaiser, because we've talked at length about like he's always had a good mind for the game. His body's just not able to execute the things you want. Like you can even see DeKaiser compensating that because he doesn't try anything anymore. It's yep. it's off the glass and out. It's dump and chase. It's make the simple pass. There's there's no stretch passes. There's no walking the line in the offensive zone. There's no pinching up the wall to keep a play alive or make a cross seam pass. It's just it's the simple play every time because he knows it's all he can do at this point. Is it just about getting to 500? Is it just about uh, – I don't know what it is at this point. Is it is it about the A? Is it about the veteran leadership? Is it about the fact that they don't want to be too good this year? Or are we just seeing like the, the, the final throws of this and then they'll pull them out of the lineup eventually? I mean, one of our biggest criticisms of Plash over the years, he's just been a very poor evaluator of talent and how he disperses it. So I, I, I can't imagine anyone can watch Dana DeKaiser right now and think it's good it's got to be the 500 games then because there's legitimately no other justifiable excuse. Detroit's one of the few teams that like carries eight defensemen and they had, Jordan Osterley still hasn't played a game with the Red Wings. Has he? Like, I don't remember him getting in there. So, well, the one thing we know about Danny DeKaiser is eventually he will get injured in some capacity and will need time off. So, that will – I mean, you never wish anyone to – No. I'm not saying he will get hurt, but, you know, things uh, of – Odds are. Odds are that he will at some point. When your body his can't career. keep up with the game, yeah. Yeah, like 82 games is a grind for healthy younger players, like, <clears throat> without injury history. Um, so, eventually, we'll, we'll see Osterley get in, I would think. Is that it, right? Like, they don't – you don't say that part out loud. You never do. But they're just like – Keep him in until we can't. And then at that point, we'll put Osterley in. And, you know, this isn't a, a cup run year, so it doesn't really matter. It, that's all fine. I, I actually don't care about all that. It's not a cup run year. And like we've said, that's our 
that's our only real criticism of the way this team is being put together right now, which is a, a completely different universe from from previous years. Some of the decisions that were made at the GM and coach level, but just move Mo Sider away from him. That's all I want. Yeah, and hey, Mo Sider is not fool. Like he, he's he's not infallible. Like he made some mistakes last game, and were those Danny DeKaiser's fault? No, no, not necessarily. But you want him to be able to make mistakes with a defense partner who can cover. Or you want him to play with the defense partner so good that he's not even going to be in a position where those critical errors are even going to come. Like, is it real? Like, would it really be a problem with him playing with Mark Stahl for a, for a little bit? Like, I think Stahl would be better than DeKaiser, but I just don't understand why you don't glue him to Nick Letty. I don't know either. They're trying to save Heronic right now. Yeah, that's, but that, okay. What about when Heronic was out and Lindstrom was in, and then it was DeKaiser De insider. Yeah, no, I know. That, that's why I don't buy the whole 500 game thing because, like, yeah, if you're getting 500 games, great. But you can 20, play with anybody else. Yeah, <laughs> 22 minutes a night with Cider. That's not just oh, we're just getting him there. Like that's if they were just getting him there, he's playing 12 minutes a night. Like that's the reality. <laughs> so is this going to seem like a silly argument by game 25 where DeKaiser's very clearly been phased out of the lineup? Yeah, probably. But just for now, I'm just well. Hey, by game 25, we're probably not talking about the Red Wings in a playoff spot. So kind of. Not that the games are urgent now, but they're they still matter a President's lot. President's Cup. That's what we'll be talking about. President's trophy. You're yeah. you're in the playoff race right. until you're not. So while you're golf in- on the brain again. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, that is that's what it's called, right? President's Cup. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like you're in a playoff spot until you're not. So while you're in a playoff spot, play like you're in a playoff spot. Build your lineup like you're in a playoff spot, like you're in a playoff race, and they're not all the way there yet. I don't care if they go out there and win the game and say we forfeit the two points every time. I just want I want to see good hockey and I want to see good development from Cider. Anyways, um, also more offensive opportunities. You're playing with Nick Letty who can move the puck up, up the ice. You're going to have more chance to contribute on offense. Mo Cider was not you know, he's not an offensive phenom. That's not what he was drafted for. But, hey, he's shown a significant second in rookie points. Man. Yeah, he yeah. is an offensive phenom. Well, that's, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. He's shown a propensity for it. So foster that. Stick him with someone who will who will engage with that and, and get that established early in his career, man. Maybe they just want him cheaper for his first contract. <laughs> Maybe. That's a 40 chess move. Yeah, for real. Anyways, I said we say I think we've said this every episode since the season started. Small fries. If this is all we're complaining about, small fries. It's a it's a nice time. Someone actually on Twitter, they replied to, to me and they're like, I just picked up hockey and I can't believe what I've been missing out on. I was like, you timed this perfectly. Yep. They were a Detroit sports fan through and through. I'm like, oh man, have you the off season perfectly? The off season usually starts around Christmas. Just a heads up. <laughs> yeah, you are, and also, you know, Detroit sports fan through and through. The Tigers and the Lions and the Pistons have not been easy to cheer for. So I'm glad you didn't compound that with the Red Wings over the years. Like uh, obviously, I, I, almost everybody I follow on Twitter, like 75 percent of my Twitter timelines, Detroit sports fans. So yeah, not all of them. The Red Wings is their primary team, but. Right now, it's everybody's primary team. Like even like Isaac's, like ah, screw the Lions, screw the Pistons. He's all in on the Red Wings. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, Phil Peronic, what do we make of his return and and what needs to happen next for him? Um, it was fine. Yeah. Um, he, he did a lot of dumb stuff, but uh, there was he looked more assertive and he was and he was trying more shit, which was good. Um, like I, I, we were talking about before the episode, there was like he still has those moments. You're just like I can't fathom what you're doing. When the Red Wings started the second period with their second power play unit for whatever reason, and then Hironic was leading the breakout. And when I mean there was no pressure on him, there was no pressure on him, and he just iced it. Like it wasn't like he just missed a pass. He just 
Iced it. Yeah, but they didn't get to him, did they? <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, I don't know, like, what? But um, other than that, like, yeah, he had, his assist was super nice. It wasn't like a fluky secondary assist. He didn't do anything remarkable beyond that, but he also didn't look like the liability that he did the first few games. So, baby steps. Played most of his time with, uh, well, he played the whole game with Nick Letty. Which helps. Yeah, which is good. Um, before we jump into the interview with Carly here, uh, last episode, as I was editing the video, there was, an, uh, I was trying a new feature like, um, object tracking and I was trying to get it over like my chest just to try it out. I was messing around with it. Oh, I saw that. <laughs> and, and I, I, tr- I couldn't figure it out or I didn't figure it out right away. I was like, I don't have to, I just want to get this video up. So I deleted it. Apparently I didn't. And for I think like four minutes. It was the first like eight minutes of the video. <laughs> there was just a big wing wheel podcast logo over me. And everyone was like, Ryan, were you picking your nose or did you do something embarrassing? I was like, do you think I was picking my nose for eight minutes and neither of these guys said anything? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw like just because it, it comes up on my YouTube feed. Yeah. And I like when you highlight it, it shows you like a little, a little di- yeah, snippet of it. And it was just like a big black logo over you. I was like, what happened? <laughs> I didn't tell you, of course. I just kept, <laughs> kept moving along in my day. I saw it the next day. I was like, well, I'm not taking that. I'm not re-uploading that. It just is what it is. It's like uh, Steve Dangle sometimes uploads. Uh, he uploaded some LFRs last year, and he used to cover the camera with his hand when he wanted to, like, overlay something. And there's a couple times towards the end of the year where he left the hand over. And he was doing the voiceover rather than having, like, the video clip or whatever. He's, just, he's like, I'm just so tired. Yeah, the... <laughs> Look, sometimes we record late at night and I'm editing late at night and I'm just like, whatever you guys are getting is what you're getting. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we are going to jump into our uh, conversation that we had with Carly Johnson of the Detroit Red Wings and the Detroit Tigers. Um, obviously, um, very prominent part of the Detroit Red Wings uh, online community um, and as well as the the reporter sphere directly with the Red Wings. So really, really happy we're able to make this interview work. It's something we've been working on for the, for a long time. So uh, without further ado, enjoy that interview with Carly. All right, long overdue. We've been, uh, this has been in the works for a while, but Carly Johnston of the Detroit Red Wings and the Detroit Tigers, welcome to the Winged Wheel podcast and thank you for making the time. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I know this is something we've been talking about since the summer, but Ryan, as you and I were mentioning, summer somehow got away from us and now we're at the end of October. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm still confused about how that's working. I'm still kind of making my way through September, but we'll, we'll figure that out. <laughs> uh, folks, for those of you who somehow don't know, uh, we're joined by Carly Johnston. Uh, she's a host and reporter for the Detroit Red Wings and the Detroit Tigers. Uh, Carly Johnston, DRW on on Instagram, and Carly K Johnston on Twitter. So, Carly, uh, we were chatting before we hit record here. What an electric start to the season! First of all, what's it like being back in the arena? more than anything. You know, I always knew, like you guys know, I was in the arena for uh, last season when there were no fans or, you know, a few hundred fans. And I knew it would be outstanding coming back to the arena, just having fans, having a packed house. But it has felt like, and Coach Blaschel has even said, like a playoff game. I mean, the fans are just not just excited to be there, but this team is exciting to watch. So they're even more into it. And even when we saw, you know, a couple losses at home, fans were chanting, let's go Red Wings when they were down. You know, it's just, it's nice to have fans back, but to have the support that Hockey Town is giving these guys is even that much better this season. Well, that's the interesting dichotomy from the last few years, because obviously we had no fans last year in the season before, 
try to not talk about. Um, so the fact that the team's exciting, the building's full, everything, as you mentioned before recording, kind of feels more normal. But we haven't had, quote unquote, normal Red Wings hockey in six, seven, eight years. So what's the vibe like around the team now that people are actually excited to watch them again like we were a half decade ago? I think it's just what you said. It's excitement. I mean, the fans are excited to see this team. I'm excited to see this team, not just working for them, but as a fan as well. I mean, we have a lot of young guys, not just on the team, but also in the pipeline. Like there's a lot of depth in this organization. And we know that, you know, obviously we're in a rebuild. Things aren't going to be pretty at the very beginning. It gets ugly before it gets pretty. And that's kind of the state that we're in right now. But, you know, I feel like we're kind of on upward incline to where it's starting to get a little prettier slowly but surely and we're seeing a lot more guys coming in that are yet again using the word exciting entering to this season we knew Moritz Sider would have a role in this team but we weren't sure how quickly he'd hit the ground running it's obviously very mm-hmm. tough for defensemen young in their young careers and for Lucas Raymond a lot of people us included had expectations set as this kid's probably going to go to Grand Rapids we need to be patient give it give him time Talk to us a little bit about what it's like to watch them come in with such a bang and and how is it different than previous years for, for fans following specific players? Sure. I mean, Merit Sider is averaging over 20 minutes time on ice. I mean, that just shows not only that he can play that amount of time, but that the coaches trust him to play that amount of time out on the ice. They like what he's doing, so they're keeping him out on the ice for longer shifts, more shifts, what have you. But over 20 minutes each game, that's a lot for a young a young defenseman. So we also see him with a different couple different pairings. We saw him with Nick Letty. That seemed to have clicked. And then we saw him with Danny DeKaiser. And in every game, he's just played a really good game. Now, he's a big guy, but he's playing amongst, amongst men. And we saw that also with him playing in uh, Germany and Sweden. But... You know, he still kind of has to find his footing, but I think he's doing a great job of it. You know, there hasn't been uh, a huge mistake where he's cost us a timely goal or anything. So I think he's doing his job, although he hasn't scored a goal. I mean, he's had, you know, a few assists under his belt already in just six games at the NHL. Uh, Lucas Raymond, I mean, come on. What can you say about this guy? We just saw him score a career, first, his first career hat trick in just his sixth career game. I mean, like the numbers are just outstanding with that kid and, when we were in prospects tournament and well, I guess I should call it prospects camp because there wasn't quite a tournament. And then uh, main camp, seeing some of these guys with the team was really cool. It wasn't like anything crazy like we're seeing now in the in the regular season with Lucas Raymond. But we were all excited. And Coach Blashley even said, you know, temper your expectations, you know, get excited. But, you know, this kid is just 19 years old. Like, let's let's give him some time to get a feel into the league before we all start just ramping him up but I mean we didn't temper our expectations and for good reason because he's really showing us why we're so excited for Lucas Raymond sticking on uh the topic of Cider and Raymond and and in general the young guys on the team obviously with things feeling a little more normal and and you kind of are able to be around the team a lot more than you were the last season it it Brings me to one question because I think it was Dylan Larkin who had a quote about there's just a different feel in the room this year, a little more energy. He, he mentioned the young players specifically and Raymond Insider. And then obviously you've got Giovanni Smith, Rasmus and Zadine are all yeah. full timers now. And it was a big roster turnover. Have you noticed that around the room that just the feel around the team, given that it is much younger this year than it has been previous years, and that could be playing a role in the energy levels on the ice? 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That definitely, you know, not to say as the older you get, the less exciting you get. But, you know, when you talk about a young spring chicken, you know, because they are just a young spring chicken coming in on the team and bringing that, I keep using this word, but bringing that excitement and uh, bringing that young, fresh kind of energy and young, fresh legs out onto the ice. But Merit Sider is one guy who has a huge personality. And, you know, every time I see him, hey, you know, it's, it's always just a happy-go-lucky guy, and I think that was something that the Red Wings definitely needed in the locker room. Lucas Raymond's another guy, you know, super talkative, sociable. So these are great guys to have, not just in the locker room, but clearly out on the ice as well. But, you know, I think, I mean, this is kind of cliche to say. It's a little obvious, but when the team is doing well, of course, the temper, the temperature in the locker room is going to be a little different than when they're bogged down by, you know, only – 17 19 wins of the season so it's the beginning of the season the guys are excited for for what lies ahead and I think that they had a really as Ryan was saying electric start to this season so temperature is really good in the room right now guys are excited for for what's ahead and I think these young guys are really helping with that now, Carly, you were mentioning a bit about what Jeff Blashill um, had said or felt in the past, and you've had a pretty up close and personal look at at his tenure, and which has been a very long and complicated one, to be honest, mm-hmm. with the Red Wings, as he's had to oversee some pretty rough Red Wings teams. Um, public opinion and, and this podcast opinion on Jeff Blashill has like that temperature has fluctuated. What is your take on on how Jeff Blashill has kind of handled that transition, uh, all those different transitions into this year? And what do you, what's your read on him coaching this probably best version of the Red Wings that he's had in a long time? Yeah. So honestly, I think about this a lot because, you know, you do get the the fans reactions and fans love to point fingers when a team isn't doing well. Sometimes, honestly, I just want to tell the fans to point the finger at the fact that we're in a rebuild and not just one specific person. But, um, you know, I love coach Blaschel. Honestly, I'm not just saying that because I'm a part of this team. Like I think he is an outstanding guy, an outstanding coach. And I think he deserves a lot more respect than what he's given. The, players respect him and the players know him on a way different level than we do. And they see him behind closed doors. So I think for fans to change their temperature, depending on how the team is doing is unfair for one player or excuse me for one coach. Cause he's a great guy. He always comes out after every loss. He says it like it is. If he doesn't like a way a player played, he's going to say it. If he thinks that the team played well, but they lost, he's going to say it, even though, it may sound weird after a 6-1 loss if he said, you know, I, I like the way we played in X, Y, and Z situations. So I think not only is he a great guy to have in this rebuild, he's a great coach to some of these, especially th- these young guys. And he has a great sense of humor. I mean, he's just, he's a good guy, I think, to have in the organization. And it's kind of unfair that he's been dealt the hand that he has. But, you know, I think he's doing a good job with it. I can't imagine the stress that he's under. It's like insane. I mean, I feel like, you know, I'm just reporting on this team and I feel stressed out about it. I can't imagine being the face of getting all, you know, getting all of the backlash if the team isn't doing well. Well, Carly, we're going to give you a left-handed stick. Get out there. We need some some support on the blue line. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, th- I'll throw some bows. I'll throw some bows. I'll probably go. get flattened, but... That's okay. As long as you get a couple shots in ahead of time, right? It's worth it. What? I'll never say no. But circling back to... You were mentioning about um, public opinion on Blashill versus opinion on Bla- uh, Blashill behind closed doors. For me, this is always fascinating in any... Not even just sports. Just anybody who's in the public limelight constantly and in the Red Wings more 
broadly speaking, the entire organization. Because I know once Steve Eisman took over, there kind of went up this wall between the organization and media and fans. And, and he likes to keep everything under lock and key. But that doesn't mean the team's not keeping track of what's going on on social media and fan opinion. So how much do you think the organization pays attention to that stuff? Uh, yeah, I don't think Steve Eiserman cares <laughs> what anyone has to say. He's another great guy that I respect so much as another, another guy with just a great sense of humor that everyone respects. So I think they, uh, you know, not to say that they're alike in any like personality traits of, of, or of the sense of the word, but um, they have a similar way about going about things. Uh, Coach Blaschel is a lot more open as he can be, but um, Steve Eiserman, he likes to be tight lipped. But I mean, I kind of would too, because you get the public's opinion. It's almost like when you, when you uh, see a family who's expecting a child and you ask for the name, like, oh, what names are you thinking? You're going to have people who say, oh, I can't stand that name, you know, <laughs> or like, whatever it is. So I think that that's one reason that they could be a little tight lipped, but Steve Eisenman does what Steve Eisenman does. You got to trust him. I do not think he has a lick of social media. I don't think he Googles things. I don't think he cares. Truly, uh, you know, Coach Blaschel, I think someone asked him about that, you know, about comments on on the Internet. And he said, you know, I made that mistake. I think maybe he said in his first season that he he saw a couple couple things here and there. And he's like, after that, I just, you know, I, I it's everyone's public opinion. You know, they're entitled to it. But sorry, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I stopped reading comments. Uh, well, sorry. No, I haven't stopped reading comments, but I should stop reading comments. <laughs> So I, I completely understand it. You know, talking about public uh, opinion and expectations, now that Red Wings fans, and you'll know this better than anyone because you're in the arena, now that Red Wings fans have seen success and have an actual tangible glimpse into the future, there's been a lot of patience afforded for good reason towards Eisenman in this rebuild. Do you sense that there is a heightened want, a heightened urgency for the the, the corner to be turned in the rebuild? Or do you think uh, there's still maybe a couple of years of leeway here, just based on the vibe that you get from the, the arena? Sure. Um, I think it's hard to be patient, especially when um, Hockey Town fans are so used to having Stanley Cup to contending teams. I mean, that's the way I grew up as well. Um, but it's tough when you go through a rebuild. And again, like I said, it's tough to be patient. I don't think that having Steve Eiserman um, on our team will fast track us because when you think of a rebuild, you think of about what, like five to eight years. Um, I mean, I think we're in year season five ish of a rebuild, I would say, or season at least five seasons since we haven't been in the playoffs. Right. So going now hopefully in this the sixth one will sixth season will now break that that uh, ugly curse but um i don't think one person can single-handedly um rush us to a place we want to be outside of a rebuild and and be um a team that's contending for the stanley cup but i do think that steve eiserman if anyone were to do it it would be steve eiserman <laughs> you know we see what he did with the tampa bay lightning team but that didn't happen overnight so I think that, you know, as I, I used this phrase earlier about Lucas Raymond, temper your expectations, but just like Lucas Raymond, hey, you know what, we could be wrong. This could be that we're on the fast track to getting over this rebuild and getting over the hump of being a team that isn't making the playoffs because Steve Eiserman is just a wizard. So we'll see. But like I said, I don't think this is something that you can speed up. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, you, you said uh, bringing Stevie on is not going to speed it along. If anything, he's he's so patient it probably slowed it down a year or two, but <laughs> for good reason. So I want to transition the topic a little more because obviously now that we have you on, I want to talk about you and your role a little bit because you probably have more fan interaction than just about anybody in the organization. So I want to hear what is Carly's craziest story you have had walking around the arena? Oh my gosh. I really don't even feel like I have one. That's such a lame answer. I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, you would think that there would be some crazy stories or some crazy things that I see out on the concourse, but honestly, it's, it's nothing that I would label crazy. Now, maybe since I'm going into my fifth season, if someone just like came in and did my job for a night, they'd be like, <laughs> why do you think this is normal? But there's nothing that really stands out to me. Maybe, maybe something will, will come to me down the line, but nothing, nothing that's been crazy, really. Okay. Everyone's been like, pretty this level is the headed. Fan, this is the fan base that uh, tapes Octopi to themselves to sneak mm, into the arena. So yeah. there's definitely something going on in the stand <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> right. Maybe it's just going over my head, but yeah, I mean, when we talk about loyal, fun, ex- exciting fans, you know, hockey town, that's, that's three words to describe them. And that was my last question. I just want to know, have you, and we won't choke security this footage. Have you ever seen someone smuggling in an octopus or seen them unwrapping it from themselves ready to throw on the ice? I have not. I really have not. I mean, I've, I've seen opening night. I think it was the first season. I was like the most octopi or octopuses, I think is actually a proper term. Um, I think you're right. Most I've ever seen it in in one glance, but um, you know, I mean, it's a tradition. I, I understand the uh, pushback on it. I do, but uh, you know, playoffs. I, I would like to think that more than one person would would strap a an octopus to their belly, which is so gross because they smell <laughs> so bad. <laughs> So, um, Carly, I need you to know that I wholeheartedly respect you lying to us because that is your job because Carly is for the people. (laughs) She loves the traditions of hockey town. Uh, Carly, any last message to Red Wings fans before we wrap up here? Honestly, just continue being and Ryan, you used this word earlier and it's the perfect word to describe how the season has gone so far. Electric. The fans have been electric. The team has been electric just little Caesars arena as a building has been electric and it's because of the fans. And I think the guys are really feeding off of that. So like, keep it up. I love it. It makes my job more fun and more easy and and enjoyable. So, uh, you know, I can't wait to have you guys, Ryan and Brad down to the arena. I know you guys are, are coming in just around the corner a couple of weeks. So uh, looking forward to meeting up with you guys there. So you guys can get a feel of what I'm talking about. And then you'll understand that like, wow, it really does honestly feel like a playoff game. So as long as we can keep that ball rolling and and keep the spirits high, I think this is going to be a really awesome, awesome season for the Red Wings and fans. Awesome. Well, we can't wait. We're looking forward to it. Folks, if you don't already follow Carly Johnston on both Twitter at Carly K Johnston, and that's C-A-R-L-E-Y, and Instagram, Carly Johnston DRW, go ahead and do that now. Carly, thank you so much for joining the show, and we can't wait to do it again soon. Guys, thank you so much. Yes, let's do this again. Hey, let's make this a uh, Monday night tradition. Absolutely. (laughs) Take care. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Uh, And that was our interview with Carly Johnson. It was great to have Carly on the show. Looking forward to doing it again. Um, I'm laughing because just before this, Evan admitted that he's never had a 
Coney Dog. So we have some plans for our uh, our game on November 13th. I will also be getting Buddy's Pizza. Yeah. That's really, that's literally the only reason why I'm going. So I, I, I'm not too far off of Evan here. I've only ever had one Coney Dog in my life, but I was not sober enough to remember it. <laughs> As it's tradition. You go to Lafayette, so trashed. I, I could not tell you if I liked it or not. I'm sure I did, but I could not tell you. <laughs> um, quickly before we get into the serious stuff here, there needs to be recognition for Simon Edvinson and what he's doing in the SHL right now. Yes. We are almost aggressively conservative with how... Hold on one sec. And Elmer, we hear you already, Lars. Back yeah. to Edvinson. And Elmer Soderblom, hey, all the kids are doing great, but... Talking about Edmondson, we have been very protective of, you know, not getting too far ahead of ourselves with timelines. We're very conservative with that. We 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 said Raymond probably won't have a spot on this team because of all the forwards. He'd have to come in and do something phenomenal to to stick, and he did to his credit. Like <laughs> it did play out how he said. Like this is the only path, and that just happens to be the one he took. Um, are we looking at Simon Edmondson first year? after Europe with the Red Wings and not in Grand Rapids like Lucas Raymond Moritz Sider. Probably not. Sorry, Moritz Sider had his AHL year. Right? Yeah. Probably not. But the fact that it's not a hard no is very positive. Because two months ago, we'd say, yeah. God, no. Yeah. Yeah, like there's no way. Two months ago was a hard no. Right now, it's not a hard no. If you're Steve Eiserman and you're saying Lucas Raymond pushed up this rebuild, Moritz Sider pushed up this rebuild – why not bring over Edvinson? And if he sticks, everything's moved forward a firm year now at least. And the interesting part about this, and and not that you can't ever replace it, uh, what's been the left side of the Red Wings defense this entire season so far? Stahl, DeKaiser, Letty. UFA, UFA, UFA. Someone's got to go there. Yeah. Right now, the only left-sided, uh, left-shooting defenseman they have under contract for the NHL next year is Jordan Osterley. <laughs> <laughs> All three of those guys are more likely to leave than not. DeKaiser's not getting re-signed. Mark Stahl, maybe. He's probably the most likely right now. Because Letty's probably going to be de- dealt, right? At, at least the, the deadline, yeah. So, although if if Sider finds his way back with Letty and they do well, I would, I would be an advocate, just as much an advocate for trading as I would for bringing him back on a short-term deal. Can't believe we're, we're having this conversation, but... The only way Letty's back, not back, sorry, is back, is if the Red Wings are still competing for a playoff spot at the deadline because they might not trade him. <laughs> Evan, you're supposed actually Brad said the thing you're supposed to push the button now. Everything's supposed to explode. We're supposed to delete the the podcast from the servers. Like I'm, it's yeah. still unlikely, but I know, I know. <laughs> but look, watching the watching what Simon Edmondson's doing, um, ice hockey gifts on Twitter's love him so much. Um, his skating, his puck handling, his vision, his playmaking. Kid does it. The kid's playing. He's not doing the dumb things. Because last year he did a lot of the dumb things. He's not doing the dumb things this year. Expert hockey analysis, I know. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Do hockey better. Win more game. Welcome yeah. to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be good, not bad. Be smart, less stupid. <laughs> Evan's like, be good, not <laughs> bad. Taking very detailed <laughs> notes right now. When we started, uh, when we were discussing the pre-show, and I'm outing you here, when we were doing pre-show, when we were discussing like order of subjects and stuff and topics, Evan, I looked at a screen, how to install drop ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> I was in vents. I was trying to figure out how to install the vents. 
Because we're drywalling the ceiling. <laughs> oh, man. Anyways. Okay. Um, let's talk about everything going on in Chicago. <sighs> this is an uncomfortable topic because of how... I don't even know. There aren't really words. And that's going to be this entire segment. Is I, I don't think any of us are qualified to give this the words that it deserves. I, oh, there I started, are lots of words, infuriating, disgusting, disheartening, sad. It's it's a stain on the league. Kyle Beach came forward as the John Doe, the unnamed player in the allegations against Brad Aldrich, um, extremely bravely. I was legitimately moved to tears um, in an interview with Rick Westhead, who has done just phenomenal work, among others, who deserve recognition alongside Katie Strang. Mark Lazarus, who else was it? Scott Powers. Yeah. Um, I had to stop watching the interview. I, I, I had to read the transcript before I could move forward, and I continued watching later. But just the results of the report came out. I encourage everyone who has a stomach to read. Yeah, and there, everyone who can handle it. There is a content warning here. If if this isn't – if you know, you have a hard time listening to this. I encourage you to skip forward because yeah. that's what we're going to be talking about here. And it's extremely uncomfortable and we're not even going to be dishing out, you know, everything on this episode. There's, I think p- other people do it much better. Um, but that's what's happening right now. And so if, if that's something that you can't, you just can't listen to just skip forward to overtime. Yeah. And, uh, there will be swearing. Um, so, Let's just get to the report because when this story first broke, it was a lot of this is likely what's going on, but there, and this is what's being investigated, but nothing at, to that point would it had ever been confirmed, corroborated. It was just he said, she said. It was, it, it was, all seemed very reputable, but we didn't have anything. The Blackhawks came out and said the claims were meritless and without in court. Yeah. Um, which we already covered that the the legal angle of it we're not going to rehash that now but this not only confirmed everything that was suspected it actually exposed more yeah because um people like Kevin Cheveldayoff and Joel Quenville came out and said nope had no idea it was not involved and then we found out they were in the room for the meeting Several meetings. Yeah, but there was one key meeting that happened right before the Stanley Cup Finals when uh, Kyle came forward and said, hey, this is what's happening. And then, oh, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. Paul Vincent, the skills coach, backed him up and said, went into the office and said this. So then there was a meeting. It was Stan Bowman, um, Joel Quenville, Kevin Dayoff. Um, and then there was a couple others whose names are eluding me, but th- those are guys who are generally behind the scenes anyway, that most people wouldn't be familiar with their names. Um, anyway, and that, that was the meeting that was referenced the most in the report. And that's kind of, that whole meeting is basically the summation of everything that's wrong with this story because nobody acted on it. Nobody decided to report it. Quenville said we don't need this distraction right now yeah like the timing or whatever however it was phrased but basically yeah this is a distraction that we don't need right now we're going into the stanley cup finals um and he used the word distraction again when he was in his presser with the panthers yesterday which is just like (laughs) 
there's your proof that someone just doesn't get it even 11 years later. And um, then listening to reading that in the report and then because at that at the point and we haven't mentioned this yet at the point of the report being released, Kyle Beach was still John Doe. Yeah, He decided after the fact to come forward, which as just a small aside, I really hope he came forward of his own volition and not because- No, he did. But scummy people had kind of, were digging in and, and figuring out who it was and his name was out there. Um, but his name was out there for a little while. Yeah, right? like yeah. You, but like- You just don't say it out loud because it's not- Exactly. You sh- Nobody should have put his name out there and everybody that did, you suck and it was wrong. Um, so- that's what I'm saying. Hopefully this was his plan all along and his hand wasn't forced because his name was out there. But anyways, I digress because that isn't the point. And then, so the report came out with all this damning info about what the front office was doing in Quenville and Bowman and Shevel Day off. And then Beach came out and said, yeah, that's all true. And it's actually worse. Um, the whole team knew. Um, there's no way Quenville, there was more meetings in his office. Um, and like the thing about this is Kyle Beach did the right things. This isn't one of those situations where everyone or where he's he the victim kept things in, in because they were ashamed or they were scared of what was going to happen in their careers or they worried about being ostracized. He made sure the right people knew it, made all the way up the chain in Chicago, all the way up to the president. And not only that, including the the general manager, the assistant general managers, the the head coach. And not only that, he told the NHLPA as well. And he went through whatever channels were established to to supposedly protect the players. He was let down. He was let down. And, and that is the understatement of the century. The report came out. Chicago was fined $2 million, which is a smaller punishment than the New Jersey Devils got for signing Kovalchuk to a contract, which was, I think, not against the rules at the time. And they got a smaller punishment than Arizona did for working out prospects were when they shouldn't have. Um, Stan Bowman stepped down as GM of the Blackhawks and as uh, GM of Team USA. And, you know, step down was if you don't step down, you're going to fire. But it's yeah. still a... <sighs> hey, we, we get to dust off... Who is it? Sean Gentile had a good tweet about that. It's like, at least we get to dust off the phrase resigned in disgrace. Yeah. Don't get to use that too often. Like, John McDonough knew, like... <sighs> It, it's the John failure McDonough, that was yeah the failure goes through and through and the nhl's initial response is just look i know the nhl fumbles the bag or fumbles the process on every single thing but the fact that joel quenville who denied knowing about the allegations until june and then it's, it came out that he knew at the time he was one of the first people to know of of uh of significance how does he coach that game in Florida the next day? You suspend players all the time. Okay, a guy elbows buddy on on Friday night at 10.30 p.m. He has a game the next day. He has a matinee game or an afternoon game on Saturday. What do you do? You suspend him indefinitely pending the hearing. That's just, just you know he's going to be suspended at least one game. Suspend him. Why was he allowed to coach in, in Florida? Well, who makes that call? The, can the, does the league have any oh, overarching power to do 100% that? 100% they do. Yeah, they do. Suspended pending 
Yeah. Like the league could have done it and and Florida could have done it. So that's a failure from I knew Bill's- Florida wasn't gonna oh, do that, it. Oh, of but- course not. <laughs> but that's a failure from Bill Zito and that's a failure from Gary Bettman and, and Campbell and whoever else wants to is involved in this. And look, they had the meeting today, and apparently, according to Elliot Friedman, uh Quenville, there's no conclusions drawn tonight, but Quenville's flying back to Florida right now, and Florida is in Detroit for a game tomorrow. So that is probably gonna mean a suspension is coming. But still the way they handled that, Shevel Dayoff and Quenville, Shevel Dayoff's meeting is tomorrow at the time of recording this. You'll probably know the result by the time you're listening, but the whole thing's rotten. The whole story just makes you sick to your stomach. It's just so sad. I think it's a black mark for hockey. It's a stain on the league. And then the way they've handled it to start is just like, holy shit, guys. Well, you thought it definitely looked like they just wanted to sweep this under the rug from they want to do everyone it. at the team level all the way up yep. through the league. Like, this, that was very obvious. Yeah. That's all I had on that point. John Tortorella put it best today from all the uh, responses I've seen where he said, how many people did this go through? And not one of them stood up and said, hey, this is wrong. Nobody. Not one person. Not in the Hawks organization. Not in the dressing room. Not at the NHLPA. Not at the NHL. This was not a small circuit issue when it happened. Like Ryan said, Kyle did everything he could do. Everybody was notified. Nobody. Not one person. This is the problem with hockey culture. It's winning above all else. And you can even see that. You could even hear that in fucking Quenville's press conference yesterday. Like, yeah, this can't be a distraction. Like, God damn it, man. Like, I know I've made this point on this podcast before about far less serious things, but it's worth repeating again if anybody is on the fence about this. This is a game. Yeah. we're t- Hockey is a game. It's arbitrary arbitrary rules played in an arbitrary setting for arbitrary awards. It means nothing in life. It is there for our entertainment and entertainment is meaningless. But we love it. That's why we do this. But when something actually serious and life impacting happens in the midst of a game, the serious issue takes precedence. The game doesn't matter. I don't care if it's game seven of the Stanley Cup final or game three of the preseason. It's all equally meaningless when you're talking about life and the impact that that had on Kyle Beach's life. I don't understand. Okay, Quenville said that stupid thing, you know, not wanting a distraction, which is, like you said, Brad, it's insane. Like, he, what a disgusting thing to, to think and say and, and whatever. Is it not a distraction to have someone who just committed sexual assault that's been reported against one of your players employed with the team for nearly a month afterwards? Like the 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 lengths that they went to to protect this guy, this It's not like it was your star player or like what? I mean it shouldn't matter. It doesn't matter, but, but I'm just saying it, like it doesn't it's just your it's like an assistant video coach. Like you fire the guy and you you just call up the cops be like this guy did this, pre- we're pressing charges. Then you're done. You're fucking like you're done. And they, they should do that if it was, you know, anybody Patty Kane in his prime, but then you almost would understand their behavior if it was, right? But yeah. But you're right, like it it just doesn't it doesn't clock and it, it's back to what Brad said, it's the culture. 
It's the culture. This is what they do. It's so insular and it's, you know, it's seen as a distraction and it's, it's blaming Kyle Beach for what happened to him. And it doesn't even have to be the head coach or the GM who who, ta- who runs this initiative. Like you could give it to anybody and be like, I need you to remove this guy from our organization. And this is what you need to contact the, the authorities, figure out how to do that. And you've got our full support. That's all you have to do. It's 15 minute conversation and it's over with. It's it's legitimately inhumane what they did. And, you know, Kyle was obviously at the time didn't want to like go public with it because obviously he was he was a what 20 year old rookie trying to break into the nhl like his his livelihoods on the line there and whether or not it we'll never know if this had anything to do with it but kyle beach was an 11th overall pick who never played a single game in the nhl oh it broke him like 100 broke whether that was the whether that was the team blackballing him because he was a distraction or because the trauma from the event just completely set his career off track we'll never know it could it, honestly it's probably both um but it's just and getting back to the Quenville thing because the whole distraction thing like that doesn't even make sense because you have this ass clown in your organization who's doing got like inhumane things to your players how do you know he's not doing it to another player a week later, two weeks later, in the uh, middle of the Stanley Cup final? Like, Jesus Christ, you don't want to protect your players? And then they went and wrote him a letter of recommendation. And then he went and, um, among other things, uh, sexually assaulted a 16-year-old kid Yeah, like at a hockey program in Michigan. Everybody, and I don't say this lightly, everybody that was in the room for that meeting should never have anything to do with hockey ever 100%. again. 100%. Their careers are over done joel quenville should never coach another game i don't care how good of a coach he is stan bowman should never step foot in an arena ever again like kevin shovel day off done as gm of the jets and i don't care how good or bad they are at their jobs it doesn't matter the fact that joel quenville is legitimately a great coach and has won a ton of games does not matter and i have seen that excuse presented way too many times get them out of the game stan bowman's done oh yeah there's no team that's taking that pr hit here's okay here's the thing the executive group at chicago that's that's the crux of it all i'm curious to see what comes out about donald fair um at least how much he actually knew. Yeah. I still think if you have a system in place at an organization that you lead where that kind of thing does not cross your desk, that is still a failure of leadership. No, it crossed their desk. That's been confirmed. The players, it, he needs to have resigned yesterday. It, if Donald Fair knew the whole time, he needs to have resigned yesterday. Your, your charge, your responsibility is to lead the organization that's meant to represent, protect, advocate for, and support the players. <sighs> There are multiple former Blackhawks who are no longer either in the league or with the team who say, yeah, they knew the whole time. Everyone in the new, in the room knew they've, we have record now of players not only knowing, but actually harassing, torturing Kyle Beach mentally and verbally about this, which is one of the most disgusting things I've actually ever read about, you know, happening. And this is someone who's like, we all grew up in hockey dressing rooms. We know it's a, it's, it's a messed up place like hockey dressing rooms. It's so, it's one of the <laughs> something most. Something else. <laughs> and so for, for a group of us to be that shocked by what happened is like, you, that's how you know how especially fucked up it was. Yeah. And they knew Kane and Taves 
they could have come out and had plausible deniability. Kane, they they both could have said, and I, I I don't advocate for them lying. I think they're I think so much less of them than I already <laughs> already did in one of their cases. Um, they could have come out and just discussed how terrible of a thing that this was, and they wish they would have done the right thing back then. Or you know, depending on what the truth is, it's still at this point, I guess, a little bit. He said, she said. I I believe they knew, but they could have said we didn't know the extent of it. I mean, they're twenty. They're twenty-year-olds who've known nothing, but they've been handed life at a silver platter. Like they could, like they don't know. I mean, they should know what's right from wrong. But like they gotta, they could have easily said a statement like, you know what, we we messed up. Like we should have, you know, taken a better role. Like own. They could have owned it. They could have owned they, it. Everybody's just doubling down except for Debrinket. So it's good you brought that up because um, I heard something today, and then I went and checked. Not every single one, but I went and checked as best I could for myself today. And you want to know probably the saddest part of this past 48 hours since this come out and everybody and their brothers released a statement or been interviewed. Kyle Beach and Danny Wirtz, you know what they have in common in this situation? Hmm. They're the only two that have used the word sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's so worried about litigation, litigation, passing the buck saying, oh, not my fault. It was this guy's fault. Oh, I didn't know anything. No, Kyle Beach said sorry because he feels like it was his fault. It happened to the 16 year old, even though it obviously wasn't his fault. Danny Wirtz, who's been the owner of the Hawks for what, a year, two years? Sorry, been involved with the Hawks for like a year or two. He wasn't around back then, but he's like, yeah, we well, screwed up. Sorry. But nope, McDonough. Nope. Bowman. Nope. Any of the players. Nope. Quenville. Well, nope. The- Shevel Dayoff. Nope. It, uh, that's definitely a, a legal thing, I'm sure. No, it, it really can't yeah. be. But like, it that's admitting guilt, and I can understand why they would not do that because yet the one of the owners of the Hawks just went out and said it. Like, but he's only been there for a year. Here's the thing, Kane and Taves. Yeah, okay, you don't want to admit guilt. Litigation, fine. They went out there and they talked about the character and how great of people they think Bowman is. Yeah, that's everyone. that's a bad garbage. Look. I don't even care if they genuinely believe that. Not now. Read the room. Like I believe that they knew, but and I don't care if they came out there and said we didn't know the extent of it. That was one of the most. Read the room. It yeah. Like imagine being Kyle Beach and seeing that. And, oh God. Like, it, there has been a very distinct trend that has emerged over the last forty-eight hours. All the players who were on that team in twenty ten that are still playing. Oh, we didn't know. Every player who's talked about it that is no longer in the NHL that's on the team. Oh yeah, we all knew. They all knew. All, like Sean Lalonde, Nick Boynton, Brent Sopel, and there's a few others who no longer play in the NHL. So they have no skin in the game. Nope. Yep. We didn't know. Well, we knew everything. Sorry. Yeah, we knew. And then, you know, the two players who are still on the Hawks and Duncan Keith, who's still on the others. Oh, no, I don't. I didn't know anything. Bullshit. Stan Bowman's statement was somehow more offensive than his GM abilities. Like, I read that. and I was like, there's absolutely no way. Just don't say anything at all. Just, I just don't know why more people just don't say anything. Like, why? They're just burying themselves even comment. further. Because like, they're, they're the same people who did this shit, right? Because yeah. Duncan Keith refused to be interviewed for this. Like, That's probably a good red, idea. Red flag. But then his his argument was, oh, I, I didn't know anything about the situation, so I felt I could offer nothing to the investigation. So then be interviewed, say you know nothing, and then you could at least say, quote unquote, you helped the investigation. Like... She's like, man, nobody ever I mean, accused hockey players of being smart, but yeah, my God. That, that was what I was going to say. No, here's the thing. I don't believe that they didn't know, but uh, John, uh, 
We Jonathan in hockey rooms. There's no secrets in hockey rooms. Jonathan Taves was a young captain, a 22-year-old young captain. This does not absolve him. I think so much less of him because he's supposed to be this, you know, Mr. Serious. Perfect the ultimate captain. Maybe this is captain why you don't make some people who are 20 years old the leader of your locker room. Like, it's like, not a bad point. He doesn't – like, he's a kid. Like, I – God knows what I – I know what I was getting up to when I was 22. Like – well, that's you need an, you need, like t- twenty two should be young adults, but like you need an adult to well, to say to to lead a group of younger people. Here's no. the thing: he knows the difference between right and wrong. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But he's also in a burgeoning career, leading a team to a Stanley Cup final and, a, and an eventual Stanley Cup, where all the leadership above him is telling him the right thing to do is to bury this. Joel Quenville, uh, Stan Bowman, Cheval Dayoff, all of them there saying, "Yeah, this goes away," and so. I'm sorry to say any NHL player that's a 20 most of them 22 year old captains are going to look at that and they're going to make the then make the wrong decision. Does that absolve because them? Because no. everyone else is telling them that they should do this like they're like well they're the the older people they know like I I'm not like the Jonathan Taves defender but I'm saying like I can like it it, it sucks like it sucks for everybody. No, you're you're not wrong. Like I remember when I was like at 22 years old and I was I'm still an immature idiot, but like I was an immature idiot to catastrophic levels at that age. And like if someone, a simpleton like me can mature and grow leaps and bounds over the last 11 years, I'm sure Jonathan Taze has as well. Oh, for sure. But at 22, I knew sexual assault was wrong. Right. Yeah. Like that, <laughs> you like, learned that much earlier. <laughs> it, but the, here's the thing. Like if, if you find out Kyle Beach got in a fist fight with Brad Aldrich and knocked him out or vice versa. And you're like, yeah, maybe we don't want this publicly going into the cup final. Okay. Sure. I'll hear that argument. Probably st- it's still wrong, but like. Probably fine. shouldn't be still be assaulting your uh, colleagues. But, but like at <laughs> the, the same best. time though, like sexual assault. Yeah. That's not on the same level. Like everybody knows that's wrong. And everybody knows if that guy does it to one person. It's not going to be the only person. He's the- done it to more, and he did do it to more that yeah. we know of. Yeah. I just don't understand at some point after that, like, they just, like, once the season's done, like, if they really thought it was a distraction at that time, why don't you deal with it then when it's all said and done? Like, well, they, you, like, deal with it in the moment, release it after the season's over. Yeah. Like, like, just get it. Is just, just, it saves you so much more hassle now. Then like, like it just doesn't make any sense. Parading, Time. yeah, parading the guy out for a month after they, it was reported was, you know, who it's like they tried to make every wrong decision possible. You know who yeah. would have not noticed if an assistant video coach got fired in the middle of the playoffs? Everyone, everyone, <laughs> like everyone. It's twenty-two-year-old me could have been an assistant video coach. Is it? He was a video coach, but he was an assistant coach, right? I don't. Doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Nobody would have noticed. Doesn't. I don't even care what his title was. Nobody would have cared. Nobody would have noticed. And like you said, you could have addressed it publicly after the season because hey, your fan base would have been a lot more forgiving. You're parading the Stanley Cup around it. Oh, by the way, we uh, char- we got this sexual abuser charged. Okay. Yeah, that we're real. That's that's awful. But like, hey, you guys did the right thing. Enjoy your Stanley Cup. Like, nope, didn't do that. Everybody failed. Everybody failed. So the thoughts on this topic, and you probably already thought this yourself listening to it, they're disjointed and they're jumpy and they're – and that's because it's such a rattling thing and um, it's still unfolding. There are people who are doing a phenomenal job reporting on this that I encourage you to go read their work. I encourage you to watch that interview with Kyle Beach again if you, if you can handle it. Um, 
Steve and Adam and Jesse on, on the Steve Dangle pod are doing a great job. I think they've had a request head on and they're continuing that discussion. Um, we're obviously going to continue talking about it in the future. We'll have a little bit more structure, but just as like, it's literally happening right now. Like, well, whoa. this isn't a topic that can have structure. It's it's a raw emotional. It's too much. It's very hard it, to put concise concise thoughts together in a normal time. I have this topic makes me so angry and depressed that I I can't properly formulate makes, arguments and sentences in my head. It's just it's just pure rage. Took me it took me um took me a long time to pull myself out of it because I read it. I was watching. It, I was reading before the Red Wings game that day, the Washington game, and I was like. Uh, hockey feels so unimportant right now. Yeah, I literally had to watch that and then two hours later go to a practice and it's just, it didn't feel right. We're going to continue talking about it um, as things unfold. Again, like we said, the meeting with Quinville ended literally as we were recording this podcast. The meeting with Shevel Day Off is happening tomorrow on Friday. So more is going to come. We'll see what happens with Donald Fair. We'll see what else happens. Uh, the NHL might levy some more punishment here. We, who knows? Um, I don't think... I mean, you know, we had our conversation about the players and and that's going to be the extent of it. I don't think you can expect, or I'm not saying there should be anything for the players, but you're, we're looking at the executive group here now. So um, it's an uncomfortable topic because it's a sad day for hockey and it's extremely sad and tragic for Kyle Beach. Um, I know it's really hard to do this justice. So yeah. Okay. Uh, let's take some time here and jump into overtime, uh, midweek episode on the winged wheel podcast. Overtime is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Um, trust that everyone understands when, when episodes like this happen and there's, there's big news items or things that happen and, uh, you know, a big chunk of time goes to that. Uh, we won't have time for every question. I think everyone is very, uh, excited about Earth's eager to to get in on this conversation we had i think nearly 60 comments here so we'll get through uh we'll get through as many as we can here uh sean chavarella says um firk chicago that's all simon says says heading to arizona to watch the wings play the yotes wings have lost the last five times i've seen them live hoping to break the curse and see the wings dominate well it's arizona so if they lose you are definitely the curse that is the only positive it's simon says 27 if detroit loses it is their fault um dave mentions um that he's happy the wings embarrass the blackhawks screw that organization mentioned fair and bettman's jobs um which we talked about a little bit i wouldn't expect bettman to go over this donald fair maybe and what's your favorite planet not earth today uranus i was waiting for it (laughs) it was coming uh, Michael says the wings keep surprising. They had a nice solid win. Looking forward to Saturday full of f- football and hockey. Go blue. Uh, Taylor Tagel, um wants details about Winged Wheel podcast night. So what we know is for sure we're going to be meeting in the arena at Gates Open. We are working out the finer details of the where headquarters will be and also uh, other details of the night. It's still just actively being worked with the border only having been opened or you know announced. Be open November 8th. Uh, we're still kind of a lot of things were up in the air based on what would have been possible. Um, anyone who's crossing the border from Canada, as of right now, do not think that this will necessarily be true then. It might change. But as of right now, you need a certain kind of test for the return to Canada. You don't need it to get into the States. If you're vaccinated and can get in, you don't need to get into the States. But you need a negative test, a PCR test. I can't remember which one it is. The one that costs you money, funny enough, uh, to come back. 
Um, and at the LCA, as far as I know, there is no vaccination or mask uh, restriction or status uh, officially by the LCA, but it's encouraged. Revan Lobsaber says, hot take, 60 plus points for Raymond and Cider. Oh, God. 60 points for either of them is Calder, right? Easily. 60 yeah. points for Cider is two Calders at the same time. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Kern says- 60 po- I think I said it last episode. 60 points for Cider is a Calder and a Norris. Yeah. Ryan Kern says, during the Washington game with like one minute left, I kept saying to myself, please not a last minute collapse. Uh, I think the past two years broke me. <laughs> Ferk the Blackhawk says, love what the Wings are doing. Lucas Raymond continues to dominate at every level. Donald, Donald Fair and Gary Bettman are giant sacks of shit. Uh, Taylor F says, do you think the Wings could have hung on to Jensen for a little longer and traded him for a first? Mm. Not likely. I really like their return, actually, from Washington. It was, what, Bowie and a second? Strong return, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was fine. Like yeah, Nick Jensen, you wouldn't get more than that for him now. Um... Shay Lobsinger's number one stand says, at this point, we know what Raymond Insider look to be. Do we change anything and stay for a middling pick or do we submarine and go for a top 10 pick? Thing is, how do you submarine? You're not going to not play your players. Yeah. <laughs> you played to Kaiser 22 minutes a night. Well, they're already doing it. <laughs> uh, Unvax Big Sack got Burt's back. Says that's all. Cody Stark says, happy Thursday, fellas. Elska shit all over your precious winged wheel podcast onesie. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> MVP says, would you be tr- uh, willing to trade either Raymond or Cider straight up for Eichel? No. If I, if I could guarantee a 100% healthy Eichel, probably, but we can't. So I'm not willing to take the risk, which is also probably the exact reason why an Eichel trade hasn't happened yet. Because every other team's thinking the exact same thing. Ben Barron, who is a brand new name level sponsor, welcome Barron to the Dub Dub Club, says, Greeting Dub Dubs, after watching this podcast evolve for quite a long time, I've finally become a patron and I'm so excited for the future of the Red Wings and this pod. That being said, I cannot wait for Winged Wheel Podcast Night at the LCA and Stevie, we trust. Jeremy Dahl says, I know we're not going to be good enough for the playoffs, but are we really going to fit into that gross spot where we're too good to get a good draft pick and get that superstar we need? Will we slot into this mediocre spot that all these irrelevant teams are in? Listen, here's where I'm at now. The Red Wings have never won the goddamn lottery, so I don't care. Yep. That's what I think. I'm, I'm well past it. If if the Red Wings had won a previous lottery and I had some optimism going into it, sure, I'd maybe have a different mindset right now. I don't care. The lottery will screw us either way. Win as many games as you can. Let it be good development for Raymond, Sider, eventually Valeno, whatever. And then just don't screw up the draft pick. Hey, let's not forget, Dave Pasternak was picked in the 20s. So <laughs> just don't screw up the pick. Uh, Babe Landiscox says, I just want to take a moment to praise the courage of Kyle Beach to speak out. Something like this isn't easy, given the horrific crime, and especially with such a public way and some toxic hockey culture. Thank you, Kyle, and all who helped him bring light to this story. While there's been some justice the past few days, let's remember that there's still a long way to go, and I pray there aren't more John Doe's and other NHL organizations right now. But if there are, I hope this helps them find the strength to speak out, and I hope teammates and coaches support victims. Hoping for more growth, change, and support for him and all victims. Thank you, Kyle. You are a hero to me. Babe Landis Cog, extremely well said. Zach Tretnick says, which of the following is your favorite start to the season? The Leafs jersey on the ice after five games? <laughs> the Blackhawks' his hilarious, hilariously bad start? Or the Wings' unexpectedly decent start? 
Yes. As tempting as it is to pick the Leafs jersey, Detroit has been more fun than they've been since we've started this podcast. Oh, yeah. This Not a total meltdown until there are waffles on the ice at uh, a Leaf game. <laughs> this has easily been the most optimistic two weeks in this podcast history, so I, I can't not pick that. Although the Hawks not holding a lead for six games is just remarkable. Um, their first lead against the Maple Leafs, so thanks for ruining it all. Toronto. And still lost the game. Josh Brink says, you know that scene from It's Always Sunny where Frank is using his toe knife to cut his toenails and he botches it and wants to cover the cut with trash? That's the NHL handling the Chicago investigation. <laughs> Uh, Stephen F says, I know it's very early, but the way Raymond skates around and moves his body and strips pucks, it's almost a little Datsukian. Doesn't skate quite as well. Hopefully he turns out to be three quarters as good. If you guys could morph your body and mind into prime Lidstrom, Eiserman, or Datsuk, who would you choose? You said mind included? Yeah. Nick Lidstrom, arguably the smartest hockey player of all time. How do you not take that one? Okay, but Pavel Datsuk was fun as hell to watch. Yes. And I would love to be able to do the things that he did. Imagine Nick Lidstrom's brain as a forward. Was Steve Eisenman the other option? Eisenman Lidstrom. That's not a bad pick either. Yeah. There's no bad picks here, but. Look at that. We got all three. As good as it gets, as I live in Chicago and watching my Hawks fan friends come to grips with this horrible, horrible situation is painful. Heart goes out to them. We all turn to hockey to distract from the crap in this world. And of course, all the victims who are physically harmed and had something they love tainted by a terrible act and the inactiveness of those who could have done something. Is there any chance this maybe causes a change in the guard? change of the garden hockey maybe the end of the old boys club as we know it the clippers owner said something racist and was forced to sell the team this feels like everyone should be banned from hockey change more often than not is incremental although there are certain in there's certain points where sweeping change comes rapidly and if ever there is a reason to this would be it well the new guard in hockey is definitely different from the old guard and it's Hockey culture has always been the we before the I at all costs, which leads to horrible shit like this. But when you look at the new crop coming into the NHL, there's more focus on the individual. There's more personality. They're more outspoken. And when you get people who are more outspoken, it means when stuff like this happens, they're not as reluctant to speak out against it. So I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that with just how different the younger generation is in the NHL, that it will help. Uh, give blood a fight. Probert says, I love this team as much as I love Smith and his energy. It seems when he gets the puck, he often makes bad decisions with it. I imagine Blash is going to have him back in the press box soon. Is this who he is as a player? Or do you see any further growth growth in his game? Nope. This is who he is. Yep. Uh, he's going to be able to come in and step into that 12th, 13th forward role when he's needed. That's just who he is. Uh, did Karen Newman retire? I'm not sure. Actually, didn't hear anything on it. Not that I was looking for anything on it. Jake Bloom says, thank you guys so much for the Adidas away jersey. It looks great. I'll be taking it to Vintage Detroit to get cider stitched on it next week. Besides Valeno, who do you predict will be our next our next five prospects to play in regular season games on the wings? Because next year's a weird year because there really isn't anybody. Bergeron will see games next year. Up. Yeah, Bergeron, maybe McIsaac and Sabrango see a, get a cup of tea because they're already in Grand Rapids. Johansson and Edvinson. That's Shane Wright. <laughs> this is the year the lottery balls fall our way. <laughs> uh, and then he says, go green, screw blue. Screw you, Jake. 
Hope you like the jersey. James says, heading to New York in April to watch the Wings win, of course, at MSG. And this is a team worth the 7,000-mile round trip from the UK uh, to fulfill a lifelong dream of seeing the Wings in the flesh. James, that is incredible. Very excited for you. Also, awesome arena to go to. It's not the LCA, but awesome arena. Uh, Matt S says another impressive comeback and game by the wings and the youngsters continue to excel. By the way, Ned save on Debrinket was number two this week. Keep up the good work as always dubbed ups. Michael Barry says lightning round questions over under two and a half games where Danny DeKaiser is benched due to performance. Over, <laughs> over, <laughs> under, <laughs> uh, where do you see the wings ending this season? I see them finishing seventh to 10th from last place. Sixth in the Atlantic, maybe fifth now. Um, will the wings beat the Leafs on the 30th? I hope. Yes. I say yes. yes. Who wins? Mich- who wins Michigan or Michigan state? Michigan. Uh, oh, and should Bertuzzi, I think this is asking if Bertuzzi should be suspended, uh, for the games he misses in Canada. I, they I, they I, reserve the right to, but I think Blashill said they won't release it. Well, he kind of is cause he doesn't get paid for them. I think only if they suspend him. Yeah, because I remember like when it happened, like the big talk was, "Oh, here's all this money he's going to forfeit." So, which I, I I have to imagine is going to be the case. They're not going to pay him for games. Yeah, exactly. Like we're in a world right now where every business has just spent the last two years hemorrhaging money. So yeah, they're probably going to squeeze everyone they can. Uh, Mike Seidman says, "How refreshing was it to watch a three-on-three OT line with an average age of twenty-one point three instead of thirty-three point three we saw <laughs> last year?" Uh, the speed control and poise the kids showed was unreal, and we were rewarded with a win. Blash deserves some credit for showing early trust. Alec Kenny says, uh, I was torn last night during the Leafs-Hawks game. On one hand, Toronto losing to a team as bad as Chicago would be hilarious, but on the other, the Blackhawks organization deserves every bit of this terrible season they've had. Ultimately, I'm happy the Hawks lost uh, given the circumstances of yesterday. Interview with Kyle Beach was gut-wrenching, but what a hero that dude is for telling his story. We need people like him heading things like the NHLPA. On a positive note, the wings are fun again, and I love this new energy from the team. Jefferson Steelflex says, The left side on D is most likely going to look very different from this year. Who do you think we might see filling those spots in a Red Wings uniform? Should Stevie Y go after Morgan Riley, or which prospects might make the jump? Man, I don't know. I think it's going to be another value year. Find your... Jordan Osterley's or your Nick Letty trades, whatever it is, because what Morgan Riley's 27, 28. I want no part of that contract because that'll He's be going to lo- get his payday. Yeah. Signing uh, a player to long term and a lot of money in their late 20s is like 98% uh, recipe for bad. Um, I-, I imagine one of the guys who is there now will be back. You probably have Osterley and then. Maybe Edvinson surprises, maybe McIsaac or Sabrango surprise, although that's even less likely. But there's options. I get the gut feel of a value free agency signing, like a Troy Stetcher type. Brian Fusen says, or Fusen uh, says, hey, fellas, new listener and patron. Brian, welcome to the Dubbed Up Club. And I'm sorry for probably mispronouncing your last name. Love the show and your insight. I'm a huge Tigers fan. I was hoping the Wings would have a similar fate this year. Sneaky good and close to 500 while being fun to watch. Things look to be trending in that direction. Hey, man, it's all we could ask for with Detroit. Matthew Lynch, does anyone else feel like Hronik should have been a forward? My most memorable moments from him this preseason uh, and first few games have all been offensive plays past the red circles. There's certain defensemen where I'm like, okay, I don't need you to be a good defenseman. I just need you to be sufficient defensively. Don't be a liability and then do whatever the hell you want on forward. 
Or on offense. Hronik doesn't have that creativity and skill to his game to be that guy, though. He's he's always gotten by with a really good shot and really good timing. I, I don't need that's not the right word because he fires into too many shins, but making the right reads and a really good shot. He's not a guy with great hands, great speed, like a real knack for offensive instinct. So uh, I think he's I think he's in the right spot. Um, Arjun Shanker says, based on how the NHL is handling the Blackhawks, it's starting to make my stomach turn to tune in for broadcast. It's like we were talking about before. It seemed weird to cover hockey after that. Jake Nagy says, if you can go back to the 2020 draft, would you pick anyone above Raymond? Lafreniere has not had a brilliant start, despite getting top line minutes with Zibanejad. Byfield has battled AHL struggles and injuries, and Stutzla only has two assists this season. I had the tier of four going into the draft. I'm just saying. Uh, no, we had Lafreniere in his own tier. Well, yeah, fair enough. But like that was my grocery stick of the draft. But um, it's been seven games. I'm not a hundred percent there yet. But the fact that it's not a definitive no is a fantastic sign. Darsh Delakis says, I've always scoffed at the idea of trading for Eichel, but with the wings playing how they are and with some good development, he could be the easiest way to get that final piece. We don't have to be a cup contender. I never thought there'd be a viable trade on the table uh, as we didn't have the pieces to make it work. But would a 2023 first and Verona or Burt plus a couple additional decent prospects or picks do the trick? I don't think it's going to be that expensive now with how long it's been dragging on and all the uncertainty around it. And honestly, the longer the Red Wings keep this up the way they're going this year, you probably want it to be a 2022 first because if they are a fringe playoff team, I don't think anybody would mind giving up a mid-first-round pick for Jack Eichel. They're not going to give up a lottery pick for him, but the longer the Red Wings sustain the success, the more likely it is. But also, you know, there's still a lot of risk to it and you still have to pay a price. Trevor Pavavar says, uh, lots has changed since I last commented, including me getting married to the love of my life, us both moving to DC for work, and the wings are fun again. Congratulations on all three things, Trevor. Uh, and congrats on locking it down because um, she's definitely your better half. Uh, my wife isn't a huge hockey fan, but she ended up surprising me with two tickets to the game. Watching her go from not caring to th- that much to taunting a Salty Caps fan that started a Red Wings suck chant reminded me what it can be. <laughs> like for new fans of a fun hockey team also i didn't know how it was possible but ddk looks worse in person i feel for the guy but it's bad great point and for what it's worth if you're anybody's trying to get their significant other into a sport take him to a game it's the best thing you could do because my entire relationship with crystal she could not give a shit about football 11 years could not get her to watch a game took her to the bills home opener 2014 she's been a diehard ever since Colorado 14 er says, first, I'm sure it's been made known uh, countless times, but Kyle Beach is one of the strongest individuals on planet Earth, and I'm probably going to get his Black Dragons Erfurt jersey. Yes, he plays in the German third yeah, league. It's, we didn't even mention that, man. Like Kyle Beach is doing this all while he's still playing. Like He's got four games under his belt this season already. Like It's crazy. Yeah. Good for him for keeping that his his career going however he can. Um, also, anyone sitting in that meeting and voted that winning hockey games is more important than ensuring safety and justice are actually uh, are actually real life events should never hold any leadership position in any industry. 
I appreciate every patron who's coming in and commenting and probably in better words than us articulating the seriousness and the heinousness of all this. Like it's just, it's nice to know that for the most part, the hockey community recognizes how terrible this is. Point two, question for Evan. You have to wear one of two hairstyles uh, for a year. Wayne Gretzky's mullet from 94 or Wayne Gretzky's toupee from 2021? Mullet. <laughs> Easy chance. <laughs> uh, Large the Prophet of the Tower in Behemoth says, hello, sweetophiles. If you made it this far with all the comments, I have to say I'm impressed. Wings and pizza. He almost got me for everyone. And Ferk the Blackhawks. Also, if anyone's wondering why I say Ferk, like as in Marty Ferk, it's my way of doing a very quick bleep. It's not Ferk written on the screen most of the time. <laughs> Andrew Forche says, is it me or does Larkin look like a different player than last year? He's absolutely flying. Also, is he a sniper now? He's always had above average finishing. He's just not always played at the Considering line Considering he doesn't have a super strong shot. Yeah. He just Good has- accuracy and timing. Larkin is a player who can drive. It's sweet. He's a he's a very strange player. Like you can make the argument that he's not a true number one center, like top fifteen, top twenty, top thirty in the NHL. But you also have a hard time making the case that he's a true number two based on what he does with good line mates. Larkin's serious. Like that's a good player, and it's nice to see that come out again this year. Katie says, I know it's been said uh, already, but Kyle Beach is so courageous and strong to share publicly and stand his ground. I'll forever love the sport of hockey, but I hate the toxic culture that has existed, still exists, and the way uh, this is still continuing to be handled is just disgusting. It made it hard to appreciate the wonderful comeback last night, but thank you for all that you guys do. Go Wings, go Blue, better luck in fantasy next time, Ryan. I told you guys she's a menace. She stomped me. She beat the ever-loving shit out of me in fantasy. I'm going to kick you out of the league, Katie. Ohio State number one says got a new job recently wanted to treat myself to a new wings jersey should I get Raymond cider or a 2014 winter classic Datsuk if you post a Twitter video burning one of your Ohio State jerseys I'll buy the jersey for you myself (laughs) (laughs) Ryan Dodd says hey winged wheel nut jobs if you could pick one place in the entire world to watch an outside an outdoor wings game where would it be Hawaii (laughs) (laughs) Uh, how many beers would you have and would Evans stay home in the hot tub? The hot tub is where I pick. <laughs> yeah, Evans' backyard. Evans Hawaii is, is a hot tub almost. No, we're picking Evans' backyard. Yeah. No. Yeah, a thousand percent. That's not happening. There's you, nowhere else in the world Evan, I would want it more than Evans' backyard. You don't know that for the first time, Brad and I's life goals are aligned completely. And it's the, <laughs> yeah, that, is, that is the terrifying part of this. <laughs> it's, like, uh, it's like Dirty Mike and the Boys from... Uh, Yes. Yeah. It's like, we are going to get in your hot tub. No. Yeah, we are. <laughs> you may not be home at the time, <laughs> but we're getting in. Winged wheels and steering wheels says, after these first couple of weeks, has the ceiling changed on what this team could be this season? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we're looking at, I was calling them a seventh place in the Atlantic and you can see them push for fifth, but it's still early. early. Um, We'll take a couple more questions here. Also, it's worth noting when it comes to the playoffs that... um. Yes, fifth place in the Atlantic in theory could get them a wild card spot, but just understand that I think every single team in the Metro is 500 or better right now. So Yeah. Connor Duke says, I'm having two non-hockey fans over for the weekend. Should I try to get them into the games Friday and Saturday, or should I have it on in the background? What drink pairs the best with the entree of learning to love hockey? Uh, beer. And yeah, uh, put the games on and have them watch. Actually, 
Have the game on in the background, and if it's a good game, then make that's them watch. that's the real hook yeah. right there. Yeah, because if you force them to watch it, they're not gonna want it. They're gonna reluctantly watch it. But like, if you have it on in the background, and you all of a sudden really start getting into it when something good's happening, maybe they're curious and they come over and find out what's going on. And we'll take one more here. Um, sorry, we couldn't get to all of them today. Uh, Denny or Dennis Blay says, "A new patron, love the pod. Welcome to the Dub Dub Club." I'm going to say Denny. I'm going to say it's it's French. Uh, if you guys would be an NHL forward line, what would your line name be? Like the Kraut line, the production line, the French connection. Would we be the production line, the cheese connection? The we shouldn't be here line. <laughs> the two, something for us and an angry little elf for Brad. Yeah, something like that. Um, two and a half men <laughs> <laughs> and that's the wheel <laughs> podcast me to it by half a second uh, I am severe, I'm sorry that's the best way to end the pod thank you all so much for tuning in um, we're gonna size t- double the production we're going to talk to you on <laughs> Sunday uh, <laughs> Evan that's what you bring to this pod I know. Just pinnacle moments like that. Nine words a podcast, but seven of them are gold. Oh, my God. Thank you to all of our listeners, our name-level sponsors on Patreon, Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Garan Foundation, Kyle Karagitz, Nick Perks, Taylor Tagel, Matthew M. Rice, uh, Brandon M., Carl Brutan, and Anna Citizen High Five, CJ Sully, Clayton Van Dyken, Craig Kibble, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Give Blood, Fight Probert, Greech, Hana Lee, Herpes Crypto, Hassam Alkasem, Jacob Turner, Jake Kiefer, Jeremiah Dobo, Justin and the Angry Mob, Kaylin Wood, King Tone, Cody Stark, Kyle Hashman, Matt McKay, R.A., Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Shea Lobsinger's number one Stan, Stacey Lynn, Zach Spring, Andrew Bohan, Sam Bankson, Adam, I Wish I Could Finish Like Ernie, Antonio Gracias, Babe Landiscog, Ben Barron, Booty Pasta, Colorado 14ers, Connor Layton, Dave W., Evans, Bingo Card, Jeremy Brocker, John Evans, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Matt Keeler, Matt S., Max $1 million, Reed, Revy DeLuca, Trevor Pevivar, Zach Handyside, and Zach McCann, a driving range superstar. Thank you all so much, and we'll talk to you Sunday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna W. WP and at Hockey Town Evan.